Alrighty, if somebody can pray, we can start. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Heavenly God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity you have given us today, as we are gathered here today, to know more about you, Lord Jesus. We humbly ask that you enlighten each one of us through these Bible verses, through the scriptures, and enable our mind to concentrate on each of the word. May every scripture enter our hearts and lead us to praise and worship you, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and teach each one of us to grow closer to you. Bless Brother Joe, enlighten his mind, give him that grace, help him to lead the session so that we follow his words through your blessings, Lord. We cover ourselves with your precious blood and your holy blood. We make this prayer in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We had a one-week break, so I hope you haven't forgotten all the stuff or not. Can anyone tell me what we were discussing? What were the main points? Where we were? Uh, we were discussing about the continuation of the body. Mm-hmm. About how the robe in Genesis 3, uh, Genesis chapter 3, 21, the animal skin, the tunics of the skin, and the bull, which is the sacrifice, which is nothing but the shadow. And then we learned about the Lamb of God, that is Jesus, who is sinless. He does not need any sacrifice. Right. Anything else, anyone? And you asked us to go through the Hebrews. Correct. So hopefully everyone had a chance to go through Hebrews? Yes. Yes. We did. Okay. Fine body and soul, yeah. Milk is like Jesus. So you read all that, right? How St. Paul writes it too. About the blood of Jesus, the temple, the milk is away, how we keep in the high priest. Yes. Etc. Yeah. Any questions from Hebrews? Anything which stood out for you? Yes, that's what I had asked you, brother. Regarding the sacrifice of Cain, why is it, uh, sorry, sacrifice of Abel, why yeah. it was Superior than Cain's. You said about faith. Hmm? Because he did it by because Abel's faith, he did acted in faith, and not Cain's didn't act in faith. Because it was written somewhere. It will tell you where it is written. It wasn't Hebrew. It wasn't Hebrew. Saint Paul was mentioning how Hebrews eleven or something, right? Yeah, yeah. How he Uh, about faith and how everything. 11 4, I think. Right. Abel is love. Was ex- his, for, his offering was accepted because of faith. Because of his faith. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean, though? Like, that's the question. How come? He, believed, by- I mean, he believed that whom he was doing it was actually a God present there, I think. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, Cain did it just as a, like a format, uh, like a. Has to do. Like yeah. a ritual, 
Yeah, it's open to interpretation because in Paul or nowhere else, it's clearly mentioned this is the reason why God accepted sacrifice of Abel versus sacrifice of Cain. By faith, Abel offered a, to God a more yes. acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Correct. By faith. Yeah. What does that mean? Like by faith. The, somehow we have this notion that God always hated Cain. Or we hate Cain because he killed his brother, right? We have he is a bad guy. But if you look at the scriptures, it's not the case. But always goes back, even after killing or even before, even after this uh sacrifice, not sacrifice, Cain and Abel, that's the sacrifice, God accepts Abel's, and Cain was upset. God visit him. As a father, he goes to Cain and says, you would be accepted too if you do it the right way. Don't be upset. Also, he wants, God wants him that sin is waiting for you at the doorstep. You have to conquer the sin. Otherwise, the sin will destroy you. But Cain didn't listen. He went ahead with, without Listening to that warning, that sin conquered Cain, he killed Abel, and then even after that, God is still pursuing Cain. So God never hated Cain for some reason. We do hate Cain, somehow has that impression that Cain was bad. <clears throat> so Abel was destroyed, Abel's blood was still poor, still calling out to God for revenge. That's what Hebrews says, right? We have a better blood now, uh, Jesus Christ, blood of Jesus Christ calling for peace, not revenge. Um, so the only interpretation or only, uh, from, this is my perspective from what I have understood. The reason, uh, so what is faith, right? He also defines what is faith. St. Paul defines faith is about no, believing in the unseen. Right. There are Things which we cannot see, but we are making a choice to believe in it. That as if it, they are real. They are so real to us. We don't see it by physical eyes. It doesn't make any logical sense to us. But we still make a decision to believe that those are true and live according to that belief. Which is foolishness for the world. Because you are based... I mean, all the foundation of your life is based on something completely unseen. The foundation of your life is based out of something completely illogical or not of a reasoning thing. You cannot reason the belief. So that's what faith is. So why we, we must be think we should think, we should ask ourselves, how come Abel and Cain is doing this ritual? Who asked them to do it? Have they seen God? No. No, right? But who has seen it? Who, who has seen God? His parents. His parents. So Adam and Eve definitely have one-on-one -on -one encounter with God. And you can see that when they were thrown out of Garden of Eden, which was, by the way, what was it? The first was the first temple. Always remember, what was the first temple? The temple is the meeting place or is set up or a spiritual setup where 
God and human spirit communicate with hundred percent closeness. They become one with each other. That's a temple. In that sense, Garden of Eden was the first temple. When they were going out, God did something, right? They were trying to surround with them with the fig leaves and trying to <clears throat> cover themselves because they were ashamed. But God did something else. What did God do? He made a sacrifice and killed his animal, put them, covered them with that skin. Yeah, it, it never says that God made a sacrifice. Okay. Right? I mean, we were talking about it last time. Yeah, there was a sacrifice somehow made, but the, he covered him with skin. Skin, skin of the animal. So definitely we can assume that in the Garden of Eden, there were sacrifices made, done already. Yes. The animals were killed. Yes. Right? So God himself won't sacrifice anything. He doesn't need to sacrifice. We should worship. Sacrifice is given to a higher deity. So we can assume that God has instructed Adam and Eve for this kind of sacrifices. And they were aware of it. And when they came out of the Garden of Eden, they were giving this knowledge. And these practices were carried out continuously in the family. And Abel and Cain was very well aware of what is unseen. God was there. We were in the Garden of Eden. We were pushed, uh, I mean, we were pushed out of it. So these are unseen things for Cain and Abel, but they have to have faith. So who had better faith, according to St. Paul? Abel. Abel had better right. faith. So definitely, in these things related to the unseen God and unseen sacrifices, Abel this made a decision to completely believe his father and mother and to continue the practice as it was instructed by God, which would be an animal sacrifice. So then if you look at Abel, he also did the same thing. He was a farmer, right? He took whatever he has and then he did a sacrifice. He said, I will do the sacrifice in my own terms. I will sacrifice. Okay, if there's, um, there's a, there is a God. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my corpse and then sacrifice it to him. Abel did according to what he was instructed, what was instructed by the, the law of God, that this is how a sacrifice has to be made. It should be from an animal. Only then the sins have, the blood has to be shed, which is all shadow for the coming, upcoming Christ. Because God in his foreknowledge knows that Adam and Eve will be committing the sin. There will be a need for an innocent human being taking the place of them, all that. So that shadow was even set up in that initial temple. The temple, the temple, there was always sacrifice. And then Abel chose to do the same sacrifice, which was instructed by God by sacrificing animals. But Cain could have done that too, but he chose not to do it. So that's why. It, it never said that Cain doesn't have any faith. If he didn't have any faith, he wouldn't would care to do the sacrifice. But he says, by a better faith, the right faith, by rightly believing in the unseen God, and by rightly deciding to do it, it according to the law God said. Abel checked, I would say, he did the right, he plugged into the right spiritual framework so that God can accept it. It's not that God doesn't want to accept it. 
gains. But in order, to, so this is a spiritual truth he's trying to elaborate to us. It's not about how how much God loves me or how much God loves any other people. God loves everybody the same way. Every single human being, every single creation is created by God. He is the Father. He loves everybody the same. If He loves somebody else, uh, some uh, little old guy, that's that's human nature. That's imperfect nature. He is a gap. He loves everyone. He wants everyone to be saved. So He loved both Cain and Abel the same way. But in order to accept certain things, or in order to come down into that holy of holy setup where everything God's willing, everything in God's will to happen in the worshippers life, that channel has to be established, and that channel is faith. We we keep saying that, right? Faith is the spiritual currency. Jesus, Jesus was. Claiming, or he was saying, when I come back, I wonder if there will be any faith. And by faith, you have been healed. By faith, you have been resurrected. All that stuff. So, so faith is the most key, important principle in the spiritual realm. And whoever has faith, the right faith, will be able to manifest the kingdom of God. Or wherever there is a right faith, God can come down. The kingdom of God can manifest. A kingdom can open up. Faith is the door. Its faith is more like opening. There's there's a saying, right? Prayer is the road to heaven, but faith is the door. So by exercising the right faith, God will be able to, or you can you you are able to channel the spiritual realm to you. That's how that's the spiritual principle. So if Cain instead of looking at in, in in that sense he could have been okay i did this sacrifice god didn't accept it and god came to me and he explained that the, if you do it right i would be able to accept it and i really want to accept it he could have okay let me do it again let me try next time the right way it'll be fine but instead he chose to completely give up and listen to or, or allowed sin to conquer him same way we also have the same spiritual reality in our life we can keep doubting or we can say this is what i understood and i am going to do this for me people can say whatever bible can say whatever but i believe this is how it is that's our own gospel right now in this world everybody wants their own gospel all ministries want or all churches i would say when ministries they want everybody to be saved but only through me only through my ministry only through my church churches are fighting oh my church is right my church is right but the only right thing is only true thing is christ jesus so that may be impacted in our minds as well is there any area where my lack of faith which means where i am not checking my belief system with the bible and correcting it we are still susceptible to what happened to Cain you may have faith but if we are not plugging into the kingdom of god god will not be able to act he really want to act that's why he was crying right my my daughters my sons my children they are they don't know what they are doing they are just being destroyed because of the lack of knowledge and he was worried such a mighty god 
omnipresent, omniscient God, he could have just taken care of that destruction problem, right? He could have been wiped out and then made them saved. He will not be able to do it because he is a just God. He will not break rules. He cannot break rules. That's why he has to wait for the people to act in the right way, plug into the right spiritual law, do the right things he has, the framework we've already set up, the framework given to Adam and Eve was to have an animal sacrifice. If Abel did that, if Cain did that, it doesn't matter who is doing it. If the spiritual framework is correct, that will be accepted by God or God can come into that. So that's what my interpretation or my understanding about it. I may be wrong, but I this is the best I could come up with with my own reasoning and looking at uh, different resources, which kind of makes sense too. Uh, if if we, um, so it's a very delicate subject, manifesting the kingdom of God or letting God's power come down and manifest in the world is just one part of our calling. Much more is about Enduring the Holy of Holies and being one with Christ. That's where the real truth is. When so our attempt or our agenda of our life should not be only to manifest the kingdom of God somehow, should not be only to get the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it should be being one with Christ, being one with God. And then if we are one with God, then he will take over. He can do whatever he wants. Thy will be done, not my will. So that if, we, if you are planning for a spiritual progress in your life, if you want to explore the spiritual realm which Christ has opened for us and make an impact in this world, be an ambassador, of God, be the citizen of heaven, then we always need to focus on Christ Jesus, being one with him. That should be the only agenda. In that journey, yeah, you may manifest the kingdom of God. You may get all the Holy Spirit gift. You may not get it. You may not manifest the kingdom of God. That's not the agenda. Our focus is always on Christ Jesus. Until and un on that, on until that day comes when I become one with Christ, not in death, but while we live, one when I surrender myself completely to Christ, and when He is able to live through my body, mind, and spirit, that should be our aim. Saints achieved it. If you look at say, look at say, most of our saints. They were not that keen to run around and preach the entire world and manifest in the kingdom. They were able to, but they, they were not that keen to do that. We should wonder why. Because they knew that it's not about me going around and doing things. It's much more about me surrendering, suffering completely, surrendering everything to Christ and let him manifest through me. So they were working, their priority is that. They were working on that all through their life. Because until, there's, there's no way we can 100% achieve that. When St. Paul says that, there's much more I need to know. 
but I still forget the past and every day I continuously, continuously strive for this. I prepare myself as I'm going, just like a sportsman trying to prepare for his Olympics. Every day I get up, I don't feel like running, I don't feel like exercising, but I know that four years from now, I need to participate in the Olympics. So I, my body is full of pain. I don't feel like doing it. I don't have any mood to do it, but I am going to do it regardless. It doesn't matter how I feel it because every day is one step to my gold medal on that Olympics. He is he's so convinced. This sportsman is so convinced. So every day he does that. And on the fourth year, he competes for one day. He prepared for four years. That was the that was the way St. Paul lived it. And he exhorts us to do the same. Do um, work, work on your salvation every day. Work out your salvation every day. But somehow we all think in this era that if some brother comes and prays, the kingdom of God will manifest and you are done with your salvation. There are churches preaching that your salvation is already sealed. So do whatever you want. Keep on sinning. It's fine because Christ has already sacrificed. You don't need to do anything. You just say one time a prayer and then you're done. Bible doesn't say that. That's why I said the faith can be in different levels. Those churches teachers, many people honestly believe in that teaching and that faith is an error. They love God. God loves them. But their faith has to be checked in the mirror. What is the mirror? What is the mirror we learned? The mirror is word of God. The word of God, the word of God, we have to double check in the word of God. What I'm believing, what I'm practicing, is it according to the word of God? If not, we should be ready to change it. We should not be like Abel, we should not be like Cain, who, who is going to blame God or discontinue the practices. So, yeah, we went, we strayed a lot. So, let's come back to the timber stuff. So, so that's what I believe what St. Paul is saying by by, by that statement that Cain, Abel had a better faith. Cain also had faith, but Abel had a better faith. That should tell us that we should double check. Yeah, we all have faith. We all are here in this Zoom meeting, or we are part of a church, uh, apostolic church. We stand there, we do all that. We go to church, uh, we take care of all the uh, things church teaches us. We try to understand gospel. We try to explore Bible more. But are we doing enough? Is there any area in my life where I'm still stubborn in certain things? Are we still blaming, let's say, from the Catholic Church about that bishop, about this priest, on that scandal, on this particular church doing, on or few priests who did wrong to me? Are we based are we be, uh, or is our faith shattered by them or is our faith uh, somehow influenced by the bad influences we had from the church? We should not judge anybody. They are also people. They are also just normal people. We don't have any excuse. When we stand next to Jesus on that day, we cannot go and say, oh, this priest was really bad. And I had a really bad experience. And I, from that day, I couldn't even focus on anything. I felt like this is all just fake. So I left the faith. Or I, I said, I stopped going to church. I stopped attending or I started bad-mouthing certain things in the church. 
those are not going to be excuses. It is my responsibility. If I'm, that's why St. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he explains that no human beings, whether Christian or not, have any excuse because God has put everything in the nature itself. We, we went through that butterfly analogy, right? From nature itself, God has put enough things so that human beings will be able to understand there is a greater creator. And anyone who explores or seeks to understand who this creator is, what is my role in this life? If he, see, he, know, he genuinely seeks, he will be able to find the creator. So there's no excuse. So let's put our mind into that agenda of knowing Christ. That's why St. Paul says he, did, he was the greatest scholar of his time in Jewish Old Testament scripture. But he eventually says, I decided not to know anything other than Christ himself, that to the crucified Christ. Why? Because knowing about Christ, what he has done, not just Christ, but crucified, what happened in the crucifixion? What is the impact of the spiritual realm? What am I supposed to do now that I understand Christ was a savior? He died for me. What's my responsibility from now on? Okay, how should I change my life? That Those were the concerns and Paul was totally focused on. We should also do that. Then change is definitely going to happen because God is the same for everybody. He went to the brother Reggie. He went to the sinner, the one who is in the jail. God loves them all the same way. It's all on us. How do we spend our day, every day, trying to explore the spiritual principle? We have the helper who is the Holy Spirit. And where does he live? He is not there in the church. He, <laughs> he is inside us. Somehow our mind always thinks that only when I go to church, I get to meet God. Yeah, definitely. The stable setup, again, another example, like the lack of faith or the wrong faith. Many people, many churches teach us that the church itself is not a physical structure. So there's no significance of a physical structure. You can just worship from home and you're fine because the Bible says you are the temple. That's error. That's an error because Jesus himself, we, we learned about this, right? Jesus himself was preaching in the synagogues. All the disciples were there. So when God established a particular spiritual framework, it will last forever. It's not going to be overthrown. That's why Jesus said, I am not here to take away what prophet said. I'm not here to abolish law, but instead I'm here to fulfill it. So the law is still valid. St. Paul talks about that in Hebrew. The law is still valid. Whatever prophet said, they are all valid. So everything God has set up in the Old Testament is still valid. That's why Jewish people are still following the spiritual framework and God's glory descend upon them as well. They are also children of God. But there are new things which they don't accept, where they are missing. So always remember, if God has set up a tabernacle in the Old Testament and said that his presence will be there when the synagogues in the temple, in our churches, that physical structure where he chosen to be present in a particular way, that is still valid. We can come up with the new age, our own intellect, and say that, oh, see, the future is like this. Now, there's no point in the Old Testament. But from that's why St. Paul himself, if you read the Bible carefully, you know, every disciple says that the Old Testament is still valid. It's not going to be overthrown. So we should appreciate it and we should agree with those things. There are many, many, many areas 
we can discuss on that area, but let's focus on what we are more keen about, the temple. So the temple started from the Garden of Eden, then we see that um, in the wilderness, they had a makeshift kind of physical structure where the temple is divided into three areas. What were the three areas? The outer courtyard, the holy of holies, and the holy of holies. Right. All right, outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And we saw three distinct distinctions. We went through many iterations of those. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, he was in the temple. <laughs> so yeah, we also learned about the two temples, how the ark was gone, etc., etc., all that destruction of temples. And right now, Jesus, who is God incarnate, he came and said, stood before the temple and said, destroy this temple and I will. Within three days. Okay, so quick question. What was the occasion when Jesus made that statement? Destroy this temple and I will rebuild. He did something. Jesus did something just before that. That's why Jewish people were like, ah, what are you doing? Like, are you trying to destroy this? Any any clue? Also, no. Mm -hmm. He was preaching at that time, so they were asking. No. It's in uh, John chapter 2, 13 and 16. Cleansing the temple. Passover. Mm -hmm. Cleansing the temple, right? Yeah. So now Jesus, who himself is the temple, is standing in next to the physical temple and doing certain things. He is cleansing the temple. We know that it's happened right after John chapter 2, right? So it's like the beginning of his ministry. It's right after the first miracle. What was the first miracle? So right after that, he goes to temple and then he drives out all those people who were doing. They were selling. They made a marketplace, right? So they were in the outer court selling all the stuff. Jesus cleansing it. Uh, but then Jewish people comes and ask, why are you doing that? Then Jesus makes this great statement that if you destroy this temple, I will rebuild it in three days. So what does, what, what does Jesus mean by that? You're talking about his body, but they yeah. sacrifice. He was talking about his own body, crucifixion, and on the third day he will resurrect it. And he was, yeah, that was a prophecy. Right? He was foretelling that you guys are going to destroy me, and then I will on the third day I will resurrect. But he said, destroy the temple. So definitely, we come to know that Jesus was referring to his body as his. Temple. temple. That's another physical structure. If you think about it, we are physical beings, right? So now, did Jesus, how many times did Jesus cleanse the temple? Trick question. How many times did Jesus cleanse the temple? Twice. Once. Once? Twice? Thrice? Thrice. Thrice. <laughs> 77 times maybe. 
Then he would be spending all his three lives trading with Anthony. No, there are actually two. I mean, these are these are hidden things in Bible we don't normally talk about. Like there are two occasions. One is Matthew twenty-one. So that's around. That's towards the latest part of later part of his ministry. John two is initially when he started his ministry. He cleansed the temple and then he proclaimed himself for the temple. He foretold his resurrection, and then if you read Matthew chapter twenty-one, twelve to fourteen, you see that he is also cleansing the temple again. And so that's just before his the Passover, the crucifixion. So he started cleansing the temple in the beginning. He cleansed also cleansed the temple in the end, end as well of, of his ministry, which kind of tells that the reason why he is here is to clean the temple to make sure that the temple. Is being cleansed, <clears throat> but not the physical temple. What temple he might be cleaning? This one body. A body. The bodies, bodies of everyone he who believes in him. That's the agenda of his coming. One of the great agenda of Christ's mission is to cleanse the bodies of everyone. Am I making it up? Let's see. So, if that's the case, we also need a clean, right? Sorry, those two uh, in Matthew and John, there are two different uh, cleansing. Yeah, Matthew twenty-one, right? So, Matthew twenty-one is towards the end. You can look at the ah, yeah. um, scenes, right? So, he is after that Passover happens. Yeah, and that one. Right, so, in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's two different occasions. Uh, so he's repeating it just to significantly tell us that when we read the stuff, when we explore this, to understand that how important is to clean his temple. Right? He is here to clean the temple, but not in a physical sense. But he is here to make the temple set up, which was in Garden of Eden. Come back into the same way, which means, what was the difference between Garden of Eden temple and the temples in the wilderness and every other temple built after that? That was the beginning. That was the difference. They had direct direct contact with God. In the Garden of Eden, there was no curtain. There was no veil. There was no separation between man and God. Garden of Eden, it was always, they were together. There was no separation. But then later on, we see that every temple structure, including the fallen human being's body, is having a separation with the most holy, holy of holies. There's no way God can commune with a human being the way they were doing in the Garden of Eden before the fall. So, for example, what was the difference? Garden of Eden, Adam was created. By God. Then what did God do? What was the first task for Adam? To name all the animals. Hmm? Naming Name the animals. Naming of the animals. So animals were created after Adam or before Adam? Before yeah. Adam. So, so was Adam there when, when he created the animals? Yeah, he was there. There was a man. Was there. In spirit, spirit. 
Yeah. Bible doesn't say that God created no. man before animals, right? God, God created animals. In his own image, he was there. No, he was not there. No, yeah. right? He, he created animals. He okay. created all yeah. the animals and everything, and then he made the man to be in charge Last. over there. Last the, the, the last creation is human beings uh, mm -hmm. and before that animals were so if let's imagine I was created we were created right we wake up we suddenly oh I'm here and then God walks up to us like okay these are the animals okay animals what is that like, I created them can you name them when you say remember the name we, we always remember what does a name mean spiritually Let's see if you guys listening. No, no, no. We discussed this many times. But in Jesus' name, when we pray, we need to understand what name is, right? What does name significant? The significance of name. It's not just a name tag to say, right? Name means identity. It's not to identify. The clue is right. I am whom I am. God's name. I am whom I am. Okay. There was no name, right, for God. God said, I, okay, you are asking me in my name. Based on the character. Yeah. That, that's exactly. I am who I am. You cannot, I cannot put a particular name to me because um, I cannot be defined or something like that. I am who I am. Um, that's what God said. But what happens when, okay, so first task for Adam was to name the animals. What did he do? Did he, he would be like, I have no idea. You when you created them. Like, I'm going to, remember, it's not like maybe, okay, let me call him Joe. Let him call me Marina. No, no, not like that. When he when God is saying, name them, he's asking him, can you tell me the character of that, right? Yeah. What kind of, animal is it or what is this characteristic of this particular being that's why when we say in the name of jesus it's not about jesus return in english or in a particular name it's about the essence of that person essence of jesus in the name of jesus means when the spiritual realm the spiritual entities here when we proclaim that they know he is he the guy who is speaking or the girl girl who is speaking if they have a relationship with Christ, and if they in their mind have understood what Christ have achieved, what his authority is, how much he loves us, what his resurrection stands for, then that carries a power. He understands his, his mindset about Christ, has complete knowledge about all authority and everything. And the name of Jesus, the characteristic, I use every characteristic of Jesus to proclaim this particular verse or particular prayer that carries the power just by merely naming uh, in the name of jesus nothing happens we have scriptural evidence for that right disciples were able to use the name of jesus to bring manifest the kingdom of god but some people try to do the same the name of jesus who the disciples proclaiming i ask you to come out and what happened do you know what happened to the sons of skiba who tried to do an exorcism by using the name of Jesus? They no, questioned him. Totally. And the spirits came and questioned them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, let's so this is very important to understand. 
Yeah. Acts 19.14. So this is very important. If you don't understand what a name is, which we discussed many, many times. So imagine how much is being taken away from our mind. We are not focusing. We are not putting our complete hundred percentage into the teachings. Otherwise, there's no point learning all this. Because you need to understand it. That's a faith, right? You need to understand. Yeah. Tell me what happened. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Yeah. 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 So it's a different. Right? It's not about the name. And what happened to them? It backfired, right? Big time. Yeah, yeah. They mastered them. Overpowered. Yeah. Gemmed on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of house naked and bleeding. So it's not about that particular word or a number, uh, alphabets put together proclaiming it. Many people think that's the case. God was. So if you have any Jewish friends, do you, does anybody have any Jewish friends? No. Not that I have. Okay. <laughs> they will not say the word God. Yahweh. 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 Adonai. Adonai. Uh, yeah. will, I had a friend who was my colleague. So we used to talk about, I mean, obviously I'll be always talking gracefully about spiritual things. So even the office we were used to chat and she will, she's a Jew. So she will, whenever she types anything about God, it'll be like G dash D. They are so specific. They won't even, because they are given the law that do not use the name of God in vain. So they are taken literally. They won't even spell it G dash D, which may understand their God. So there was no name or he said God was manifested to the Jewish people in different ways. Sometimes he was a healer. Then what did they call him? Oh. He was a healer. Jehovah. Jehovah. Jehovah Rapha. Sometimes they were Victorian. So they were like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rafa, Jehovah, you have a song, etc., right? So every characteristic of God manifested to them, they started naming him like that, which means a name means a character, an attribute of that entity. Unfortunately, the names which we give, I mean, all times, that's why if you look at all the biblical names, everything will tell the character. Jacob, what does that mean? The one who wrestles. One who wrestles. No, Jacob is a deceiver. So what was his character? He was was named Jacob. He always receiving. He deceived everybody. His brother then went went there and then he deceived his father-in-law, all that. That's nature. The nature of that guy is what the name is. Then God encounters him. He encountered God and then wrestling happens. What did God do. His hip. No, no, no. Before that, the first thing God does is that his hip, something. Yeah, hip was torn. He was limping from that day, but he started addressing him, become 
different way. But he asked you know him, what, who are you? Then he says, Jacob. He says his real name. Because so that's the first thing. Why is he... Correct. Why is he asking, what is your nature? So I am Jacob. I am a deceiver. I am a sinner. And then God calls him, like, from now on, he will be Israel. Israel. Right? He renames Jacob from Jacob to Israel. What other, I think we went through this exercise at some point. I asked you to find all the people who God renamed. Yeah. Right? Yes. Right? Abraham yeah. to Abraham. Adam, Sarah. Right. So God is into this renaming business, which doesn't, so we should give particular importance to the name. Name doesn't mean like just a hashtag, something to identify that person. But it's more like the nature. So God, God gave Adam this task to identify the nature of all, all the animals. So he was just, he hasn't fallen yet. He is a perfect temple setup. And what did Adam do? He had no idea what, when God created, he was not even in the scene. He just came up. God is giving him a task. What did he do? He started naming all of them. Okay. And what does Bible say about that? Genesis 2.19 So out of the ground of the God, the Lord formed every animal of the field and every bird and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called each living, that was its name. It's a little different, right? He doesn't say that he named them. Whatever Adam called them. his name. Now, re re remove that name word and put character in there, right? Or nature in there. So whatever living, whatever he called each living creature, that was his character. That was his nature. In other words, Adam was able to understand the nature of all the Animals. Living with all the animals. So he was like, he was like who? He was like his father. Yeah. Who was his father? God himself. God. See how he was, can we do that? We have no idea. So God's will or God's mind was kind of the same mind Adam had. So he was in likeness. With God. In likeness. Yeah. With God. Image and likeness of God. So he was exactly like a carbon copy of God. He was much more than what we can think of. Uh, another thing is, he wanted a partner. God made him sleep. He was asleep while Eve was created. And the moment, and he had no idea how Eve was created, right? God could have created Eve from mud, from the soil, right? Or anyway, God is able to do everything. But when the moment he wakes up or when, when the moment he sees Eve, what does he say? Flesh from my last bone. Body from my body, flesh from my flesh. So he was able to understand that while he was asleep, deep sleep, what God did is that he is, she is part of me. See how 
uh, omniscient, like uh, all, all, almost like he knows everything, mm -hmm. right? That was the temple setup. Okay, one second. My laptop charge is almost over. Hold on. All right. So the reason why I was trying to say or try to go through this Adam's abilities to make, make us understand that the body of Adam was a real temple. There was no separation, right? He was able to access God's knowledge seamlessly because God knew everything and he knew everything. God loved everything. He loved everything. So it was more like he was one with God. That was a setup. That was that's where we are fallen from. So Christ came back and he proclaimed himself as a body, uh, his, his body as a temple, and he said, I'm here to cleanse it. I'm here to make take away what was lost and bring back that union with God, where you will be brought back to the original likeness and image, image of God. So that was the agenda of Jesus coming. Many, many saints or many people who explored the spiritual realm, explored the seek God, uh, were able to understand it. And Jesus and Holy Spirit and God themselves were able to bring this into their body. That's why they, these people or these persons were able to manifest God. Right? We call them miracles. We see that some saints, their body is still intact. There are saints which did crazy miracles. So those were all, they were able to channel God or supernatural knowledge, supernatural ability. Everything Adam had, they were able to bring back this original temple setup, I would say, since we are speaking in the context of temple. So that's what we are called for. And it is given to anybody who believes in Christ. Anybody. But we need to have the right faith. So that's a key thing. This is the new framework God has set up through Christ. And it has nothing to do with I doing certain things. It's all it's already set up in Christ. If I could have done, or any if law, the God's law could have done this, Christ wouldn't have come. That's what St. Paul is saying. Law was needed to make us understand what we are not capable of, which means we are not able to scale up to the level where we can go back to the initial temple setup. We, the law will tell us that you, no matter how much you try to keep it, you will fail because there's a separation. You are on your own. You cannot fulfill this thing. You need God himself, the holy God himself to be empowering you, enabling you to be holy. You cannot be holy on yourself. That was the idea of God. You need a savior, basically. You are a slave. You need to be saved from something. 
So the God law was given so that we, the people who will try to obey the law will understand that they are unable to do it and they need a savior and that Messiah or the savior will come later on. And when that savior comes, the law will be fulfilled and then it will be fine. So the Christ came and they rejected it. Many accepted it, but many accepted it, but they still say that there's no need of law. That's wrong. The law is needed. We, the agenda, the, the actual idea is through Christ, we will be able to fulfill every law. Which means through Christ, I will be able to be holy. Which means through Christ, I will be able to go back to the initial setup where God and myself will be communing in, together without any hindrance in between, without any curtain in between, without any veil in between. So, brother... Stephen brother has asked one question a couple of weeks back. Does anybody remember? About Paul? No, he's here, he's here. What are the questions? Do you remember, brother? Yeah, yeah. God has, uh, the Paul says in uh, Romans, actually, God, who are we to ask God in giving? No, not that one. No, that regarding the temple, you asked something. About the high priest going into the holy of holies. Yeah, yeah, about the light actually. So, um, right. uh, how is able to, there is no light in that actually. How is able to see? Right. Yeah, so I, I wasn't sure about that. So, I went back and checked. So, you are right, there is no light. In the Holy of Holies, there is no lamp. Yeah, no physical. There is no, no physical or natural lamp. So, how would we be able to go in and see? Uh, according to the scholars, according to the teachings of the church, the Shekinah, the glory of God, enlightened that Holy of Holies. Whenever he enters, he can see it. But that Shekinah, remember, is only after the veil. It, it doesn't come out. Right? And so when the veil torn, when Jesus died, it, it allows, it tells, symbolically, it tells that there's no more hindrance. It is open. Right? Anybody can go in. But at the same time, always remember, if there's a light in this room, when I open the door, it's darkness outside, let's say. If I open the door, what happens? The light comes Of course, on. it will come in. But what happens? The light will? Follow the you. Go from right? The light will go out. Yeah. Right? If the cut is removed, whatever light on the stage will come, come out. In. Yeah. The whole, let's say, in the temple setup, it will come, from the Holy of Holies, it will come out to the Holy place, right? And then to the outer. Since it's God's Shekinah, which cannot be, it's not like a dim light, it's Shekinah, right? It's like, uh, we can't even imagine how bright it would be. Like it would definitely go to the outer court also. Yeah. So if temple, okay, okay, we are running out of time, three minutes. So if temple is my body, what is the Holy of Holy? Uh, mind. No, soul, soul. Uh, soul, 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 soul. We have three parts. No, no, what part? Spirit, spirit. We have three minutes. So, holy three holy parts. Spirit, holy, holy spirit. spirit. Then, the holy place is soul and mind. the outer is body. 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 Right. Yeah. body uh, spirit, the spirit, soul, and body. Soul has mind, emotion, all that. Spirit is where our real spirit being is there, which also Bible sometimes calls heart. Or the in depth, the center, the core of that person is spirit. Uh, if that is the holy of holies, 
when Jesus, when anybody accepts Jesus, what happens? He comes into their heart through Holy Spirit yeah. and the curtain is removed. Right? If we yeah. believe what the Bible to say is, if you look at symbolically, not the, in reality, in spirituality, in spiritual realm, uh, the curtain will be removed. It, so what will happen? The light, the, shik- the glory the will, will that light should come out into the holy place, which is which is what? In our body. No, the holy place, the second one. Mind, all emotions, all that, right? So that Shakina from Christ, the Christ's radiance. St. Paul talks about it. The the radiance from the face of the Christ may shine upon you or the gospel light. The light will should come up into the second place, which is mind or feelings. It can also go into the Outward. Outer core, which is our body. Body. Okay, so this is logically reasoning by we figured out this by identifying using our intellect. Is there any Bible verse which tells us the same? Anything which you can think of? With that, we will stop this. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Jesus says this, right? On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. So he's saying, anyone who believes in me, let anyone, any person who believes in Christ, that he is the savior, he will take away my sins and he is the true son of God and he has died and resurrected and now he is seated at the right hand of the father and he is here to save me. If I proclaim that, that moment when he drinks from me, this is what he said, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart, which is the inner part, the core, where the holy of holies, right? Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For us yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not glorified. So he, Jesus is proclaiming the same thing which we just mentioned. If you believe in me, I will come to your holy of holies, which is our heart, your spirit, and my life. I will be able to come into the living waters will flow out of him, which means then he's, we are drinking, then we become a well. There's a spring which comes out. It's not an empty vessel where we pour some water and it will be <clears throat> dried off. If we use it, it's gone. Some people's anointing are like that. right? We go for a retreat. We'll be there for five days because we filled our bucket with, we filled our mind and body with whatever we heard, but that's gone. After the once we come back to the world, it'll be emptied out because there's no source inside. There's no spring. But when you believe really what, and when we understand what Christ has done for us, the Holy Spirit will come up to the, from the heart. It will come to your mind. It will come to your body. And that radiance of Christ will come out of our body. We will, wherever we go, we will be able to manifest, not be able, Christ will be able to manifest through us. So when St. Paul walked around, his shadow, wherever his, St. Peter and St. Peter walked around, wherever his shadow, which means his external perimeter around him, was full of the kingdom of God, the glory of Christ. People were healed in the kingdom. There was no sickness. So the moment the kingdom attacked them, it's gone. So it's not a miracle, it's just a normal nature of the kingdom of God. St. Paul touched some handkerchiefs, etc. When the saints does that, 
wherever it was taken they were healed manifested kingdom of god christ was able to be that glory was there so this is what we are called for and what are we doing we are now already checking our watch because we are late <laughs> so we have stuff to do what are we doing we are wasting our time we are wasting our life our faith is not even perfect we are we are thinking that we are following christ now when including me i'm talking about me as well as a bunch of believers here who has the capability of doing this this is the will of god thy will be done as it is in heaven in the earth through us and we keep blaming church we keep keep blaming priests we keep blaming that and this and excuses and inabilities but the truth is we don't want to do this they are not committed to do this we keep in our mind we keep saying that or oh, something external should happen that i change it's all internal we need to change it's our decision so let's pray to for each other your prayer partners strengthen them to follow in the path of the truth follow the path of christ and he's willing and waiting is more than willing he is under personage with us so let's close our eyes earnestly desire for the living waters to come out of the holy place and then go into my mind and my emotions and my feelings ask god to invade into the entire being of yours where you have short term burners every feeling depression anxiety for unforgiveness all this in the soul in the soul area where your mind and feelings and decision making the will everything has to be cleansed so when the living water comes out the water will cleanse everything so father send down your living water from our inner being we are surrendering our mind our feelings everything we have unto your feet cleanse us just like jesus cleansed the uh, disciples with washing the feet wash us father with your spirit all through our mind all through our feelings all through our emotions and to our body through every single cell and dna that your will be done thy kingdom will manifest on each and every single strand of our body mind and spirit let us be like the light of the world that exactly what you said Rav, that you are the light of the world now the only way we can be the light of the world is by allowing the true light jesus christ go into our beings and shine through us and let others see your ultimate love make us those disciples make us those carriers of the lamb make us the temple to the true temple of holy spirit help us to change our life help us to prioritize you before anything help us to change our timings every day change our routine change our nature give us a new name father thus we ask in the name of lord jesus christ amen amen Amen. Thank you everyone. Thank you brother. Thank you brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.